Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. Here is a quick announcement. Our February Heart-Centered and Passion-Driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their family, and loved ones is currently available at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. As an expansion of Valentine's Day, this month's theme is Family Love. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show today, my guest for this morning is Anne Papayori. Anne is the founder of Skyview Coaching. She is an international life, leadership, and relationship coach, speaker, writer, educator, and co-author of The Gift of Shift, an intimate self-help book. Anne is an expert contributor for Your Tango Media and has been featured on MSN, Google, Yahoo, and Apple News. She has spoken at conferences, summits, and commemorations, both live and online throughout North America. Anne captivates, educates, and inspires audiences through sharing her personal experiences of loss, transition, and triumph. She helps people rise above life's painful and challenging moments so they can revive their life and thrive once more. Anne has helped and guided thousands to attain their personal and professional goals. Known among her friends as the go-to girl, if you're experiencing problems, Anne could have started her own Dear Annie column decades ago. Her high school yearbook quotes a classmate describing her as a good listener. Anne has a BA in journalism and communication and multiple professional certifications, including certified professional coach, master energy leadership index practitioner, and neuro-linguistic programming practitioner. By the way, Anne is also one of our expert contributors in the February Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine. Her wonderful story, The Magical Gift of Valentine's Day, is featured in our Heart of the Stove section. Anne and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how we can regroup, redesign, and relaunch ourselves by discovering the key within to unlock our best self. Good morning, Anne. Happy February, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? Good morning, Johnny. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you with me. The Gift of Shift is a very insightful read. Thanks for sharing stories of critical times in your life. I believe many of us can benefit from your experience and wisdom. So let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. And by the way, we have the whole hour, so you've got plenty of time. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you. Well, Donnie, I was blessed with a very happy and modest childhood back home near Birmingham, Alabama. My father worked at the telephone company, and my mom taught piano at home. And I'd say my brother and I had everything we needed, not necessarily everything we wanted, but <laughs> I have such warm <laughs> warm memories of our simple three-bedroom, one-bath house there in the little community of Center Point. 
But even our, I'd say our vacations were modest. I grew up camping in state parks and had never been west of the Mississippi River or even north of Dayton, Ohio, until I became a flight attendant. But I had crossed the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> As you see, I became a flight attendant after reluctantly studying abroad in Europe to finish some college credits. I ended up loving it and wanted to see more, so it kind of became a strategy to get paid to see the world. And my very first working trip did take me across the Mississippi to Lubbock, Texas, and I thought that was just, you know, the end-all, be-all. So (laughs) I ended up up working for uh, the airline for 17 years, and I transitioned out of in-flight into training development facilitation and later into various project management positions and lastly into community affairs and global diversity. And I'd say while my uh, career climbed steadily throughout those 17 years, my personal life experienced quite a bit of of turbulence. I I married. I had children. I suffered the, the loss of one of those children. I divorced. I ended up remarrying, had another child. I eventually gave up that career to move to Canada for my husband to advance his career. I ended up starting over, starting a, a, a new calling and career for myself. And, and then I just relocated to Texas a couple of years ago, just part of the pandemic. And I'd say now I am at a new cruising altitude, so to speak, doing what I love, writing, coaching, educating, and contributing with a a passion for both physical and mental fitness and uh, and holistic living. Well, cool. That's fascinating. So were you the lady that we all see every time when we go on the plane and we turn on that little training deal and the video comes on? (laughs) Up the buckle, (laughs) the belt. (laughs) I never did videos for on board. I did videos for other flight attendants, training them for different things, but no, I did not do that. I was not the one doing that. I was just leaving you on that one. You're like, oh, wait a minute. We, gotta, we have a real person here, but we got to watch this video now. Exactly. That's wonderful. Who were the major influences in your life? Oh, my goodness. There's been so many, but I absolutely have to give credit to my mom. Uh, as you do to all of your moms, but my mom gave me the gift of music. Mm-hmm. She was a, a piano teacher in our home, as I said, and while I did not have her talent, our home was always filled with music, whether it be from her students in the piano room of our house that she created in the garage, <laughs> or the stereo <laughs> was always playing her albums. And I was a quiet child, and uh, but I found that, that I did not have that talent to to play instruments, and because I was quiet and shy, I I was not one to sing along, but Mm -hmm. I would absolutely dance, and I still do. And another thing about my mom was that she was just driven to educate herself to do whatever was creative or necessary to make change happen, to improve Mm -hmm. our lives. For example, um, she became a receptionist at a private school to get a tuition break so that she could enroll my brother and myself for mm-hmm. a few years. Mm-hmm. And uh, she became a real estate agent at some point to facilitate the ability to move our family to the home and community she envisioned um, 
improving our lives. And those are just a few examples of my mom. She was she was amazing. And I would I'd have to at the same time give credit to my dad. He was the how to person. He taught me how to swim, how to ride a bike, how to drive, how to read a map, how to follow a compass. <laughs> but also how to appreciate and to connect to family. And he was just this this simple person, but a, just a simple man that knew how to love. And mm-hmm. he showed it. He did by mm-hmm. showing. And as far as, uh, I, and I feel like everyone I've ever met has taught me something and has influenced me on some level, but my teachers were always great influencers in my life. And uh, one specific person is just coming to mind right now, my swim coach. I became mm-hmm. a com- competitive swimmer. And Coach Roger Solomon, and he actually turns 80 this month, and I'll be reaching out to tell him this, and I'm sure he has no (laughs) idea how great of an influence he had in my life, but he believed in me at a time when I did not believe in myself. Mm -hmm. And when somebody believes in you, that's fuel for life. And I recall I I became a competitive swimmer in seventh grade, so I was a little late uh, to do that compared to a lot of the swimmers. And he walked beside my lane, cheering me on at my very first swim meet until I reached the end. And he reached his hand down in the water and pulled my exhausted body <laughs> out and congratulated me. And everyone else that had been in that heat, is what we called them, already out, towel dried, off with the rest of their teammates. I was the last, you know, person in the water. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. was barely moving by the time I got to the end of that 100 meters. But he made me feel like a winner because I completed it. I didn't stop. And I've right. relied on this memory many times in my life to keep going when I felt like giving up on myself. So he really had a great influence. Beautiful. That's just beautiful. Why did you major in journalism and communication? I know you write writing, obviously, because you're an author now. Yeah. Why that particular area of specialty? <laughs> That's interesting uh, because I actually began my studies in business and finance, Mm -hmm. and even that surprised everyone who knew me best as they all thought I would become a teacher. But uh, as you said earlier, I was always known as the go-to girl for friends with problems and was even called a good listener in my high school yearbook, you know, like. Mm-hmm. So it was a best dress, that's what best listener. Here we go. <laughs> in my first year at Auburn University, I had an English professor who asked me if I'd ever considered journalism. He had taken note to my writing skills and my storytelling, and I guess that love and that passion I had showed. And he encouraged me to go check out the school of journalism and meet with with the advisors there and I ended up changing my major and I knew immediately that that's where I belonged. So stories became my focus, which just led to all these opportunities to meet interesting people at different and various stages and circumstances in their lives and Mm -hmm. to ask powerful questions, to listen and to help them then reveal their stories. But then, ultimately, destiny had a different way to use that for me, you know, just a whole different way in mind than to (laughs) track me that way as a career, you know, as destiny does. 
Well, that's very interesting. Very, very interesting. So you talk about, yes, you were a good listener. That's a terrific personality trait. So how did that contribute to your vocation in a way over the years? So listening with empathy is an invaluable skill set to what I do as a life coach. Mm -hmm. I listen with my head and my heart and intuitively with my mind. Because for people to become vulnerable and to open up and sometimes to not even understand their their pain and and to figure out where it is they want to what they need to release so they can understand where they want to go and to create change in their lives, I first hold space for them to be seen and heard and felt, listening and then asking questions. So that that's that innate skill that I had no idea was a skill. I just thought everybody did it and, and used it has proved to be foundational for my life's work. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. When did all the whys of your life's journey transform you to the so what part of your life? Because <laughs> I know as far as being a good listener, it's always about, okay, we're listening to people and we have our for lack of a better term, I always coin it as my two cents to let you know what's going on in life. And then when it comes to us, we're not very good at that. So how about you? Yeah, exactly. We're not good when it comes to ourselves because we're in it. We're participating in our own life. Mm-hmm. I had to learn to become an observer of my own life and, and step out and, and take a look and reflect on what was happening and that took me hitting a turning point. I have a laundry list, as many of us do, of <laughs> losses in my life and 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 hurts and, a, and emotional traumas, if you will. Yeah. And I had to learn to float. And there's a story in The Gift of Ship, The Gift of Buoyancy, where I'm talking about my dad teaching me how to swim in Cosby Lake back in Alabama. And I was so excited to learn how to swim. You know, as I told you, I ended up being a competitive swimmer at some point. Mm-hmm. But I had, he would not teach me how to swim until he taught me how to float first. Mm-hmm. Because he recognized the, that being able to float, to stop, to pause, was going to be important. In fact, it was going to be a survival skill in life. And I, and I had no importance. And no idea how important that was actually going to be metaphorically mm-hmm. for everything to be able to stop and pause and reflect and reconnect to your breath and, and slow your heartbeat and then being able to choose which direction you want to swim, how far and to which, which destination rather than just to keep going for the sake of keeping going. But when I could, when I recognize I need to stop and step out and float a while and recognize where I was at and why I was there and not participate in my own life, but observe it Mm -hmm. and recognize that whatever was happening and whomever was involved and whatever role others were playing was about them and not about me. I could depersonalize it Mm -hmm. and recognize however I was showing up was about me and not about them. Right, and then I right. could change my perspective, and that's when I could get away from the the why me and the and the 
and, and all those personalizations we make because, you know, we just do that. It's how we interpret and perceive everything that creates our experience. And it's just right, a whole right. new outlook. And then I could, so what, move on. Right. So that's very interesting, though, because what you're talking about is that sometimes we subconsciously don't even realize it. Oh, in this case, unconsciously don't realize it, that we are living a life of reactionary life, basically. And then yeah. the flip happens to point where you realize now, no, I'm going to live a life of actionary, that it is my action so that I can be held responsible for my actions and not necessarily live a life that is indicative of someone else's actions, so to speak. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when you have been kind of in that darkness of victim and conflict thinking, Mm -hmm. and then you do stop and pause and reflect on where you, and you recognize that there's an opportunity to take responsibility, to let go Mm-hmm. of responsibility for what they're thinking and feeling, take responsibility for what you're thinking and feeling and doing. Mm-hmm. And if that's actually creating how you're experiencing life, now you're open to change. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So when did that morph into a passion of self-mastery? I think it's just having that first little spark of insight You know, when you've been in that darkness of victim and conflict thinking and letting uh, letting yourself be affected in that negative space and that negative energetic uh, place and you feel that inside and that spark and you feel differently and you say, I want more of that. At least for me, it was that. And then I craved more of that light. And when I recognized that I am indeed responsible for creating my own experiences, in life, I said, okay, what's that going to take? I want to know more. How do I do more? How do I create more for me, including uh, peace and acceptance and self-compassion and self-love? And what's that going to take? And it was going to take really not just reflecting on my life and looking back, but looking within, looking up, and then looking forward creating that sort of next strategy and plan for myself. That's wonderful. What you're describing is basically these are the things that sometimes as we master this, we realize that things that are holding us back are basically self-inflicted pain. Is that correct? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> Absolutely, because it, it, it's often, it's the meaning we attach to events in our lives that has such an influence in how we feel and how we feel then basically dictates the choices we make in life and therefore how we are experiencing life. So that self-inflicted pain kind of starts with, with, with our thoughts and our interpretations and our perception, and that can lead to different behaviors. And, and I call them the overs and the unders. And, and what I mean by that, Johnny, is, is we might – overachieve, we might overschedule, overcommit, and that might lead to overwhelm and ultimately burnout. Or we might underachieve. We might underschedule, undercommit. We might stop showing up for life. The behaviors might look like, and I know this for myself, I, while I was in university and I'd gone through a betrayal of a, 
of a friend, I ended up making it about me, right? I thought, what's wrong with me? Why, was I not a good enough friend? Was, was What was wrong with me that led to their choice? And again, not about you. Whatever someone says or does is about them, not about you. But at the time, I made it about me. And what did my behaviors look like because I had interpreted and perceived this in this way? I had these mindless behaviors associated with the meaning I had attached to this that looked like over-drinking, over-eating, under-performing, under-socializing. I stopped showing up with total self-betrayal, self-inflicted pain. The event had happened. The betrayal had happened. It was done and over with. I started betraying myself. I continued to inflict pain on myself. Rather than grieving the loss of the friend, grieving the experience, moving through the pain and on to what was next for me, taking responsibility for my healing and moving forward true to myself, I betrayed myself. So true. I mean, it's amazing. It's very, very powerful. You're right, because in the sense that we are in a situation where there is a grief process and there's time for that. And then somewhere along the line, like the book says, you've got to shift. Fascinating. That's terrific. Mm -hmm. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast, available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our February edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Anne Papayoti. Anne is the founder of Skyview Coaching. She is an international life leadership and relationship coach, speaker, writer, educator, and co-author of The Gift of Shift, an intimate self-help book. Anne is an expert contributor for Your Tango Media and has been featured on MSN, Google, Yahoo, and Apple News. She has spoken at conferences, summits, and commemorations, both live and online, throughout North America. Anne is also one of our expert contributors in the February Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine. Her wonderful story, The Magical Gift of Valentine's Day, is featured in our Heart of the Stove section. Anne and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how we can regroup, redesign, and relaunch ourselves by discovering the key within to unlock our best life, essence of her book, The Gift for Shift. So, Anne, how did you and Tracy McDonald got together? Oh, I just love talking about this. Tracy is my co-author of The Gift of Shift. And she and I met at a coach training event in Miami, Florida, and it was just a magnetic connection from the beginning. I saw her in the room and went and sat near her, and she was just like a ray of sunshine, still is. I call her sunshine. She calls me sparkle. And anyway, we became friends uh, instantly and eventually became collaborators. We started writing uh, content together for workshops and traveling to one another's home provinces. I was living in Mm -hmm. Canada at the time in uh, Quebec, and she in New Brunswick, and we would uh, deliver content together, and we just loved talking about 
different things and bouncing ideas off of one another and, and, and becoming creative as well as just learning and growing together. That's terrific. I mean, sounds like you got a wonderful buddy and it's like y'all are cheering each other on. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We, it, we just, we love to, we're kind of personal development Geeks, uh-huh. if you want to call us that. <laughs> we, we like to get reading hangovers from, <laughs> from studying people's work on, you know, neuroscience mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and emotional intelligence and things like this. And so it's, it's great to have someone to, to talk these things through with and, and yeah. bring it down to a level that then you can teach it to others. So That's true. Very true. For that. When did the idea for the Gift for Shift come about? We actually collaborated and created a workshop of that mm-hmm. title. So one of the things that we love to talk about together is, is energy and life energy the, the, and mindfulness and how our thought energy creates our feelings. And, and as we were speaking about earlier, those feelings end up sort of driving our life, you, your energy to release your life or it drags you through your life. And we were creating a workshop around this, and we recognized that, that the power of perception and perspective is really about finding the ability to shift. And we, you know, in conversation, there's actually a gift in that shift. And we just laughed at the, the rhyme and decided that was going to be the title of the workshop. And so later, I was telling Tracy, we've got to write a book. We should write a book together. You know, we're such great collaborators. We should write a book. And Tracy's like, no way. I'm not a writer. I don't like to write. She's a blogger. You know, she's all about video while I'm the blogger, the writer. And she's like, no, not interested. But I kept hounding her. And I doubt we'd even have a book today had she not finally come back to me after some, you know, pennies from heaven one day in meditation she had the insight that, yes, we should write this book, and it should be the gift of shit. So she came back to me, and I jumped for joy and said yes. So even though I had wanted to write a book since I was 17, I had not done that yet. And while I always thought it would be a novel, as we said mm-hmm. earlier, destiny takes us somewhere different. <laughs> I, here I am in the self-help genre, personal growth genre, and I'm very grateful to Tracy that she said yes and that we uh, did uh, combine forces and create this book that we're so very proud of. Well, the book is fascinating. It's very well designed. And I love the fact that it is a combination of information in terms of letting people know the things that they need to know. But at the same time, it's a workbook as well. So it's a wonderful combination. So I really like that very, Thank very you. much. Please share with us the intention of the cover design and the layout of the book. Absolutely. So the cover design is, first of all, it's a pretty book, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) The cover design is that we have a a gift box with the beautiful satin ribbons to entice people to recognize that the gift is, is theirs. The gift to shift is in you and up to you to open it and to use it. It's a choice to shift 
your perspective to change how you experience it. When, you, when you're ready for change and you're ready to choose it, it's right there in front of you at all times. And the design and layout of the interior of the book is that Tracy and I share short personal stories, sometimes intimate, sometimes heavy, to recognize for some people, based on their experiences, it could trigger things. But we want you to be able to possibly hear your truth in our stories. So while your story is likely different from ours, the, the theme of the story is likely to have been experienced in your life on some level. And following each chapter are five coaching questions to help the reader reflect on their own life around this common theme. And after those questions, there's an area for you to then journal your own story. So it's a guided journal, as you were saying. There's more to the book. It's not just the book. There's, there's, a, there's a guided journal section, self-reflection. And the idea is to help the reader be reminded of a time when they went through something and tapped into some character trait or strength and how they could use that now to overcome something that they're going through or recognize how they may be stuck in a story of their past and use these questions and the guided journal to help them move through it and beyond it. That's very, very interesting. That's very interesting. Were there challenges? And I presume obviously there are rewards in writing the gift for shift. Can you share those with us? The challenges and the awards, absolutely. I'd say the challenges were really about sharing our personal vulnerabilities in writing. Uh, Tracy will often talk about, you know, emotions for her were just automatic and uh, growing up, and, and, and she has become quite the scholar of emotions and is an excellent uh, educator about emotions. And while she's gotten in touch with her emotions, she's never had to write them, write about them. So she, mm -hmm. that was a big challenge for her. While I've been in this world for a long time, I've led support groups for separation and divorce for 25 years, and I've taught personal development for much longer than Tracy, I've spoken my vulnerabilities to help people reveal theirs. But still, there's something different when you put them in writing and you send it out to the world. <laughs> so I think that was our greatest, our greatest challenge. I think the reward, um, the rewards are many, but one would be just that the, the personal growth we've both experienced in examining mm -hmm. our own lives again mm -hmm. on that, uh, by facing those vulnerabilities in that way, but mm -hmm. also the surprising impact that the book has had on others, the positives and affirming uh, responses and uh, testimonials that both Tracy and I have received from readers. Um, mm -hmm. I had one reader tell me that not only his his personal experience from the book and, and the positivity and, and the insight he gained, but that he bought a copy for his sister and and what she gained from it. And, you know, while you struggle about, you know, these are, six of my stories, six of Tracy's stories, and of course we mm -hmm. both have many, many more we could have selected to put in the book. We we came up with 12 themes we thought would be relatable to readers. 
when he shared with how it helped his sister processing something that she had never, ever sought help for that she experienced in high school, and she's now in her 50s, mm-hmm. it validated some of the choices I made to share in this book that I struggled with. Is this the right story to share? So those those are some of the greatest rewards, I think, that we have our responses mm-hmm. from readers, for sure. That's wonderful. That's really wonderful. Can you give us a synopsis real quickly about the various theme? Because your book covers, like I say, it's a life's journey. And interestingly yeah. enough, when I was growing up, my mom always said, you don't hang out your laundry out there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I sure did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's just it. And certainly it's not... Uh, very detailed. They are short stories. There's certainly sure. more to each of these stories, but we we did put some laundry out there. Well, there are, as I said, 12 stories, 12 common themes uh, for readers to relate to. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are, there's the gift of sync, not the band, and in this mm-hmm. story, Tracy's going to challenge readers uh, about their beliefs, how they notice life. Is it, do you see mm-hmm. things that are happening in life as synchronicities or as coincidences. And then there's the gift of the Band-Aid where I share about betrayal and and the lesson we were talking about where, you know, that whatever anyone says or does is about them and how you get to that point where you recognize that and if, how you have to cooperate with time to allow your wounds to become scars and that mm-hmm. is a difficult thing for people to do, is to learn to cooperate with time. And then Tracy shares uh, the gift of BYOBFS, be your own best friend forever, which is really about that inner critic, that messenger we always have with us that can, <laughs> rather than be our cheerleader, is often how to make the unconscious conscious. And then I share the gift of Charlie Brown, and this is about grief and the loss of my first son. And how to get through that grieving process. And it requires looking up, as Snoopy teaches us. There's always something good to come, but we have to be able to look up. And that becomes a choice at some point to take an opportunity when it's handed to us. Now, it's a hard one for people to read, but it was not a hard mm-hmm. one for me to write because I so believe in finding meaning and, and, and purpose for our losses. And then Tracy shares the gift of post-its. And that's really about post-it notes, you know, and how they stick, but you can pull (laughs) them off easy, but you can stick them back on again. And that's really about that it's not your choice if somebody labels you, but it it is your choice to let it stick or not. And then I share the gift of grit. And this is about finding the courage to leave my abusive marriage. And, And I say there's no grit, no pearl. You don't. Without courage, we can't move through fear and on to the reward of having faced our fears. And then Tracy shares the gift of breaking free, and this story is about forgiveness because without it, we're often a prisoner. And then I share the gift of fluency, and this story is really about hope and the ability to rest in hope when we're going through some of the most challenging and difficult times of life. 
And then Tracy shares the gift of mirror, mirror. And this is really all about emotions (laughs) and reflecting on what's driving our behaviors in life. Mm -hmm. And then I share the gift of JOMO. Are you familiar with the acronym JOMO, Johnny? Somewhat. I'm still learning all the (laughs) various acronyms out there. So JOMO is the antithesis of FOMO. So it's about mindset. So the joy mm-hmm. of missing out as opposed to the fear of missing out. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I share about going through some starting overs and some changes and, and the, uh, the choice to choose joy over fear in those circumstances. And then mm-hmm. there's uh, Tracy shares the gift of superheroes. And that's really about gratitude and appreciation for the people who've shown up for you in life and uh, who don't necessarily show up wearing that cape. <laughs> and, then there's, and then I share, to, to conclude the book, I share the gift of, of the beautiful. And this is really about mm-hmm. being true to yourself, knowing who you are, and ultimately saying, I do to you. And while this is a little bit of a lighter story, and, and it's about sometimes it's those little things that become the big things in relationships and create barriers to, to happiness right. and, and enjoyment. And so it's allowing your being yourself and allowing others to be themselves, recognizing what are the deal breakers and which are not and learning how to, to compromise without compromising right. really who right. you are. That's wonderful. Yeah. It is a wonderful book, beautiful, beautiful book. It really connects. That's the most important thing. I think we want to be able to read and connect and learn the stories, and it resonates with one's life, and that's the mm-hmm. most important thing. What is yeah. the biggest block, you think, that people face in making their shift? I find in my coaching practice that mm-hmm block is, is people being ready for change because it it's not that you just just there it's work being uh, you have to be ready to, to do the work i meet a lot of people in survival mode so to speak mm-hmm. they're hurting they're in pain i work with a lot of, of grief whether it's um death divorce relationship conflict there's some there's job loss Something's happening right now. If I work with a corporation, there's been a huge change, and they're having to deal with that transition, and there's a lot of uncertainty happening. So whatever's happening is is, is often uninvited change. Mm-hmm. So nobody's ready for change. And so there's going to be a, a lot of work that's in front of them. So they're in survival mode, and that is like, hijacked. Everybody feels hijacked <laughs> in the moment. So yeah. we have to start with that kind of just kind of dealing with the survival mode and, and calming that and getting ready to do the work, to be ready for the change, to want to become that survival, stressful uh, situation. And when they're been ready to feel differently about it, then we can work on the shift. Mm-hmm. Then we can shift, you know, and it's like you've got, it's like driving in a car. You've got seven gears, but you're stuck down in first or second gear. You're going to burn the engine out. And I think that that's when I, when I can get people to recognize and understand that they're operating in a stress 
reactionary, as you said earlier, place that they're creating this experience that could be different. Here's option three, 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 seven <laughs> that are different. Let's see what that looks and feels like and what would it take to get there. So I think being ready is the big block. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. The sort of going through that self-denial, I'll get there, I'll get there, but guess what? You are already there, so you have to make a decision. Yes, <laughs> yes it's a decision. Choice is is the gift and that's, that's in us and up to us, but it's that decision to make the choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast uh, available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hophoffer. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our February edition of a heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Anne Papayori. Anne is the founder of Skyview Coaching. She is an international life leadership and relationship coach, speaker, writer, educator, and co-author of The Gift of Shift, an intimate self-help book. Anne is an expert contributor to Your Tango Media and has been featured on MSM, Google, Yahoo, and Apple News. She has spoken at conferences, summits, and commemorations, both live and online throughout North America. Anne is also one of our expert contributors in the February Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine. Her wonderful story, The Magical Gift of Valentine's Day, is featured in our Heart of the Stove section. Anne and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how we can regroup, redesign, and relaunch ourselves by discovering the key within to unlock our best selves. Essence from her book, The Gift of Shift. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. And can courage really turn fear into fearless? I'm going to say no. <laughs> and I'm going to say courage requires fear. Mm-hmm. But the, it requires fear because courage is just doing something despite fear. And the, so the, the recipe for courage, if, if you will, is that mm-hmm. fear is an element, but the purpose of what you're going to do is greater or stronger. The ingredient is, 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 is larger than the fear. So what has to be done, knowing what has to be done, what you're choosing to do has more conviction than the fear has a grip on you. So I think it requires fear. So there's, so maybe, Fear less, I guess it depends on how we define it. There's less fear <laughs> than there is conviction to do what you believe has to be done. But it's right. not without fear, I guess is the best way to say that. It requires mm-hmm. fear. I see. I mean, you always want to have fear because ironically with courage, what my understanding is, you use fear as the fuel with courage to turn it into fearless. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I think that's how I'm going to define fearless from, from now on. It's just less fear, not without fear. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. I mean, that's reality of life. I once told someone, if someone comes up to you and said, I'm fearless, okay, a person who is fearless, I'm not saying it's not true, 
but a person who is fearless loves nothing. Mm-hmm. Because if yeah, you I love you. something, you'll be fearful of something. Not for yeah. you, but for the person you love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see? Well said, well said. Yeah, so that's a different plan at things, but it is true. When you think about it, I'm not worried about myself, but then I start thinking about my loved ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I think fear, fear and love go together, don't they? Mm-hmm. So that's my take anyway. <laughs> my little two yeah. cents there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I just, I'm just having this, this insight right now that fearless is not without fear. It's just less fear. Mm-hmm. So courage is doing something in spite of. I, I was just thinking back. I just lost my uncle recently. Mm-hmm. And my last conversation with him we talked about his time in World War II as a mm-hmm. teenager, and he had he he was a, a code breaker, but he he also would go had to go on the front lines and go and check, go ahead of the the, the front line and go and check around on some things, and I, I and look for where they thought some enemies had been and and check, and it was often just finding. Uh, corpses and mm-hmm. I, and I but he didn't know for sure what he was going to find in going ahead of the uh, of his troops and I thought you must have been so brave and he said nope he said I wasn't brave but I guess I wasn't scared neither <laughs> and he said I did he said I did what I had to do and right. that's courage. And mm-hmm. that's how, how I define courage. It's when you do what you know you have to do, mm-hmm. but it's not without fear. Right. And I think that's what he was saying to me. I wasn't brave, but I wasn't scared either. I did what I had to do. Right. Anyway, all right. That just I just thought of my Uncle Donald, so I thought I would say that. Well, that's wonderful. I'm really glad that you shared that story. So how do we create a healthy mindset from the dance of, as you mentioned, the fear of missing out and the joy of missing out experiences? The F-O-M-O versus the J-O-M-O, so to speak. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Well, for some people, there's a deeper issue to overcome uh, the FOMO, like Mm -hmm. the fear of rejection or abandonment or the need to be liked or to fit in, and they may need, you know, help in doing so. However, for many of us, we just need awareness that that dance, as you call it, is occurring Mm -hmm. and that we have choice because the circumstance doesn't change. It's just how we experience it that will change when we make the choice. So for me, in the larger dance stages, JOMO has been love. And FOMO has been necessity when I'm comparing the two. But when I was able to shift my thinking from need or have to or lack, which was the necessity, to abundance and desire, and I get to, then love would win out. Mm-hmm. So joy outdanced fear, so to speak. In fact, joy would step on fear's <laughs> toes until it bowed out of the dance altogether. So to so to answer your question, it kind of becomes, which will you choose as your dance partner every time the music changes, <laughs> you know, because life right, can right, change, right. you know, and it's, as life changes, 
those two, it is a dance. You know, are you going to fear missing out or are you going to find joy in it? And when the pandemic first hit, I think a lot of people experienced this dance. I get to mm-hmm. stay home or I have to stay home. You know, in the beginning, the early on, maybe there was more joy, you know, a couple of years into it. Maybe there, it's, <laughs> it's uh, gotten uh, turned into wallpaper. But, but, yes, we have that choice, and you have to continue to make that choice mm-hmm. every time the music changes. Yeah. So true. So true. How yeah. does forgiveness play in initiating a shift? Well, the way I define it, forgiveness is that first level of light, and mm-hmm. it's all about letting go. I I don't define forgiveness as like that Mother Teresa level of of forgiveness. You know, I, I truly <laughs> define forgiveness as letting go of anything, anyone, any thought that pulls you back down into that darkness of victim and conflict thinking that creates those that pain that you get stuck in that will drive your choices and limit your ability to see options to change how you experience life. So for me, it, it keeps you from being able to have the insight to become the observer, to take responsibility, to have that shift and see options. So that's it. It just keeps you anchored if you harbor unforgiveness to conflict and victim thinking. And we call it like a lazy eight. You picture the infinity mm-hmm. symbol lying on its side. You just go back to, you know, helpless, hopeless, defeated, to mm-hmm. anger, frustration, blame, resentment, whatever it may be. And when you're stuck in that pattern of thinking and feeling, you're stuck in that limited ability of doing. And so you kind of have to push off that bottom. And the only way is up (laughs) from there. And (laughs) up leads into responsibility. And taking responsibility requires forgiveness on the level, again, not another Teresa style, but on the level of just letting go. Letting go so you can cooperate in your own life and create wins for yourself. Very interesting. So in a nutshell, too, in many ways, because by taking that responsibility, it does pave the way to sort of fuel up your confidence and give you the clarity that you seek. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what it does. It it opens up possibilities. It expands your visibility is a great mm-hmm. word. And mm-hmm. it gives you clarity and confidence. You know, it's like it takes the blinders off when you're in. Yeah. When you're in the victim and conflict thinking, it's like you know, there's you're just limited. It's I call it darkness because it's like darkness. I call it the black hole. And when you let level up into responsibility for yourself, it's like the the first level into the sunlight. And then, yeah, okay, maybe it's a little, you know, you squint a little bit at first because you're like, okay, but then you're like, this feels good and I want more of it. (laughs) And then you can keep going up from there and from responsibility, the next level energetically, Tracy and I both are Energy Leadership Index Master Practitioners. Mm -hmm. And the next level up is is love. So true. And from there, yeah, 
what is the best way for all of us to make the shift happen in our lives? So all change starts with awareness. And then it's that desire mm-hmm. to, and, and the readiness, as we said. And then it's choice. And then it becomes that consciousness to change mm-hmm. your thinking, which changes your feeling, which allows you to do differently. And when you do differently, you experience differently. So it is truly starts with conscious awareness. So I like to say I wake people up mm-hmm. to living mm-hmm. their best life. Mm-hmm. So it's an awakening. Yeah. That's true. Very, very true. Where can someone go to get more information about you, your services, buy your book, pretty much keep up with your latest happenings? Thank you for asking. They can go to my website, which is skyviewcoaching.com. I invite anybody to reach out to me by email at Ann, no E, so A-N-N, at skyviewcoaching.com. Uh, connect with me on social media. My uh, uh, Facebook is Skyview Coaching. Instagram, Twitter, and Papayote, and I look forward to hearing from you. Wonderful. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Don. You asked where they get the book. I didn't even say that. The book is available. The Gift of Shift is available from all major online booksellers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. and you can ask any um, your local bookstore to order it for you from the Ingram Sparks catalog. Wonderful. Wonderful. How has writing and publishing the gift of shift impacted you personally? Well, it's allowed me the opportunity to be in your mama's kitchen and many others. <laughs> and it's, uh, I think it's maybe shown my children to go for their goals. And it's mm-hmm. absolutely motivated me, you know, to do more. Uh, it's, it's, it's open doors. It's um, allowed me to, reach a, a greater audience in a, a shorter period of time mm-hmm. and uh, and I and I love and I love that because my goal is to help people so it's a different it's a different way to take my message out there wonderful so what's next for you I am a collaborative author in an anthology a book that's mm-hmm. coming out next month on Amazon it's called Engaging Speakers, Voices of Truth, and my chapter is called Becoming Brilliant. So I'm excited about that. And then I'm working on my next solo book, which is going to be titled The Universe is My Travel Agent. So now that Mm -hmm. you know a little bit about me and my travel background, I think you can relate to that. So I'm excited for that as well. And I'm developing some online courses. So I will be Lots of work coming up and some new collaborations as well. Wonderful. That's fantastic. By the way, as we come close to the end of the hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Oh, how exciting. Well, the the cooks in my life never measured anything, so I never learned any exacts. Like my mom just guesstimated and my mamma used terms like a tad or a smidge or, <laughs> you know, whatever. But, okay, so I would say parts of developing the mind, body, and spirit, discovering your skills, gifts, and talents, and apply them where they can make a contribution to the greater good. Mm-hmm. Be a citizen of the world. Remove prejudice and bias. Maybe add a pinch of sass to spice it up. 
throw in a little nonsense now and then and, you know, mix it up with dancing, whether you like the music or not. <laughs> How's that Terrific. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that sounds wonderful. That sounds wonderful. That sounds like living, loving, and living a legacy of love. That's it. That's it. That's it. Wonderful. That's beautiful. And thank you for the good recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Wednesday morning, February the 23rd, at 10 a.m. Central Time, U.S., my guest will be Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Grieving, Loss, and Healing, 101 Stories of Comfort and Moving Forward. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening, and have a very blessed week. And it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a very blessed day. Thank you, Johnny. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.